something that I uh, particularly enjoy doing is to look at wood grain. And, you know, you look at a piece of wood and you can actually see um, the flow of the nutrients and where all the water has channeled through. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And you begin to realize that that timber has actually come out of a tree. And that tree has grown through a lot of experiences, uh, like the wind and the rain, but also droughts and uh, wild storms. And all of these uh, have had an impact on the internal dynamics of the tree. And you can see the grain, that's what they call it, the grain of all those um, those marks and, and um, flow lines <laughs> that are in a piece of timber, you can actually see them. And those things have been formed by a lot of um, external pressures. And every piece of timber is unique, isn't it? You, you will never find one piece of timber exactly the same as the other another piece of timber. And in that timber, there's a, there's a there's a beauty, isn't there? And carefully trained eyes can actually really uh, see the flow of the grain. And there's a little phrase that says uh, to go against the grain, and it means to means sort of to to go against everything you believe to be true. And the Collins Dictionary puts it this way: If you say that an idea or action goes against the grain, then you mean that it is very difficult for you to accept to do it because it conflicts with all your previous ideas, beliefs, or principles. And of course, this, this phrase comes from the world of woodworking. And a craftsman, um, he will see the grain and the flow of how the timber has been created. And in the blog post, I've got pictures of a piece of timber and how if you go with the, with the grain, it makes a nice smooth edge and you can slice off a bit of edge. But if you go against the grain, it actually goes like this and it digs it up and gouges. Because it's the grain's going this way and you're not going it that way. <laughs> Another way you could actually talk think about this is like when you rubber a cat's fur, or maybe a dog's fur too, and it just naturally just flows in one direction, doesn't it? Just flows in that one direction, and your hands pass over, it's all smooth. But if you rub it the other way, you'll notice your hand digs in and the, the fur lifts up, and you're going against the grain of the fur. <laughs> and if you do it with a cat, it may well be hazardous to your health, <laughs> put it that way, it might scratch. But I believe we also have a grain as to how we manage life, how our beliefs, our thoughts, um, how that sort of shapes what we do. And it's these sets of beliefs that, that have been um, developed through times, just like a tree, you know, times of sun, rain, snow, uh, calmness, droughts, uh, intrusions, abuses, um, good times. And all those things shape our internal brain grain. And they shape who we are, our uniqueness. And really there is no one newer than you. <laughs> I love Dr. Seuss on that. And you're strong in your grain and it gives you shape, character, personality, and it defines you. And people notice the way that life has shaped you. Uh, but for most part, 
the grain remains uh, unseen, unknown, underexplored and untouched. But what if uh, the grain you have that has shaped you is not actually the way that it was always meant to be? So there's a grain that it's meant to be like, but this is the grain that you've, you've come to be. And it's like a clash. And someone or something rubs up against you and it digs in, all right? Someone might say something and it goes, hmm, you know, it went against your grain. And perhaps it might also be a good thing where someone comes to you and says to you, you have beauty, you have purpose, there is delight in you, and that there's something of an eternal value buried deep within you. Now that might just go against all the grains of your thinking that, nope, nope, there's nothing like that in me. I, um, my grain's going that way. Your thoughts go the other way, but my grain's going this way. And I think of someone in the Bible, and his grain was tight. It was set, it was hard, and he had um, a murderous zealotry. <laughs> of religious intent and his mission of life was to keep his religion pure and intact. His name was Saul and he wanted to get rid of all the Christ followers and uh, yeah, if you know the story you can see the grain that has been set in his life and it's been shaped by years and years and years of cultural and religious indoctrination. And he honestly thought he was going with the grain of God, that this, this was God's intent for him. But he was going against the grain of God's love. And um, you can't outgrain God. <laughs> you know? Um, and so the Christ does what the Christ always does. And brings light to the darkness and we read read about this time when when God went against um, Saul's grain <laughs> um, and here's the story when he got out to the outskirts of Damascus this is Saul he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light as he fell to the ground he heard a voice say Saul Saul why are you out to get me <laughs> wow he said who are you master and the voice came, I'm Jesus, the one you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city, and the city you'll be told to, to do what next. His companions stood there dumbstruck. Oh. <laughs> they could hear the sound, but couldn't see anyone. And while Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind, they had to take him by the hand and lead him to Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing drag nothing and that's in Acts chapter 9 you can go and read that but this is only the very first part of God's intervention against Paul's uh, Saul's grain in fact he may have tried to speak to Saul many many times about his his attitudes and his grain but it's a very significant part of Saul's story and it's it's so powerful for him that he actually changes his name from Saul to Paul he didn't doesn't want to be associated with that that old man um, but there is a whole next story that actually we don't know much about. And it's I think it's about to do with uh, a reshaping of Paul's grain. And in later years, 
um, Paul writes a letter to people in a town called Galatia, and he reveals more about God's intervention. He says this, I'm sure that you've heard, and just, by the way, listen to the softness of his voice too. I'm sure you've heard the story of my earlier life <laughs> when I lived in the Jewish way. In those days, I went out, went all out in persecuting God's church. I was systematically destroying it. Systematically, okay, that's a very strong word. I was so enthusiastic about the traditions of my ancestors that I I advanced head and shoulders over my peers, above my peers in my career. Then even then, even then, God had his eye on me. Wow. Why? When I was still in my mother's room, he chose me and called me out of sheer generosity. Isn't that beautiful? Now he has intervened and revealed his son to me so that I might joyfully tell Jews, tell non-Jews about him. Immediately after my calling, right, that was when the Damascus Road incident, without consulting anyone around me and without going up to Jerusalem to confer with those who were apostles long before I was, I got away to Arabia. Now it's not Saudi Arabia, it's, it's probably in the Jordan. He, he went to the desert. And then he carries on, he says, Later I returned to Damascus, but it was three years before I went up to Jerusalem to compare stories with Peter. Now, can you see how Paul's or Saul's grain had changed? I wonder if Paul would have used such kind words when he was um, stuck in the grain of his former life. But also notice that it was three years from that Damascus Road intervention to when he basically re-entered the world and began his ministry. What was he doing in Arabia? What was he doing in the desert? You know, and we find story after story of um, people that go after the desert to sort their grain out, <laughs> to sort out their, their thinking patterns. Uh, we don't know. But I'd suggest that this was a massive time of examining all his beliefs and religious traditions. It was a time of uh, changing his mind, or metanoia. You know, the grain had been interrupted. He couldn't unsee what he'd seen. He couldn't unhear what he couldn't what he, what he had heard. Yeah, and when when God rubs up against our grain, we feel the friction, don't we? Uh, there's but there's always a purpose behind it. Uh, always to bring us to a better place. Recently, I was asked why inner healing uh, takes so long. Surely if Jesus just, he could perform a miracle and just go ba-boom, and we've changed automatically, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and so, sure, we, re we receive some prayer, we sense God moving our lives, may experience some change, but uh, deep areas of our lives and our thinking, our behaviour and our grain, they don't, don't just change, bang, do they? I think we'd like that, but they don't. And my response was that if if God was to do a, a miraculous wave of the magic wand or change everything approach to our brain, it'd actually be abusive. And that our brain would just not physically cope with that amount of rewiring. And anyone going through any therapy of any worth <laughs> and... Um, uh, they can attest to the fact that it's work, you know, and it's tiring. And it, it can be like a crushing experience of 
changing the way you think about things and that that requires a lot of energy a lot of work and it takes time and instead god um slowly and gently works with us millimeter by millimeter personal trust personal decision to trust by personal decision to trust over a long period of time and you know and slowly we see the miracles happen don't we uh, great love and compassion begin to change the course of our grain of our lives. You know, I remember that um, someone, it, it wasn't only the words that was spoken to him, but it was also the, the quiet and loving energy that sat behind the words. And um, the mind, the neurological pathways, the grain, the thinking patterns, well formed over many, many years of self-hatred sentences, was taking their grain them into an incredibly dark hole. And they were staying there. You know, just, they were just dying from within. And that was, that was until a friend said a few simple loving words. You are loved and you're not alone. And repeated them. You're loved and you're not alone. And then, then other words were shared as well. And it was the fullness of the message that caught them off guard. No one had ever said that to them before. And somehow, in their words, it seemed to cut across everything. It was like a, a gentle Damascus Road intervention when that, that new truth entered their reality. You know, the grain had been cut and a new grain had been begun to form. And it was like a, a loving surgeon had taken a compassionate scalpel to their thinking pathways and it starts to, to stitch on to something, something new and better. And in Hebrews we find a passage that says uh, God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. And that this is what I've found, is that um, when God's word, it may come from Bible, it could come from Something that somebody says that just has that God moment attached to it. It seems to just cut across the grain. And new pathways begin to be laid down. New roads formed in the desert. And I think a lot of that probably happened with Saul to Paul. Yeah, and then of course we we have to keep on building that grain. You know, we have to meditate on it and keep on telling ourselves the truth about being loved and having worth. But something like a bright Damascus road can cut across the grain, and it was good. Yeah, I so want to have the grain of my life align perfectly with God's grain. So much so that, so much so that uh, when you look at me, you see Christ. And C.S. Lewis uh, said this, that Jesus came into this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has. By what I call good infection, which sounds very powerful in these times of pandemic. 
every Christian has to, every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. <laughs> we have to become little Christs, like images of Christ. There's one, there's one, I see Christ there. And how do we get there? Well, here's a few suggestions. Number one is recognize you've got a grain. You have patterns in the way you think. Neurological pathways have been laid down in your brain. Culture, family, organizations all have gone into the shaping of your brain grain. Times of ease, times of hardship, all have crafted in you, crafted your life. There are knots, flecks, tears, but there is character and there is beauty and there are things that need to change. Number two, submit your grain to the son of a carpenter. <laughs> I once did a woodworking course and I made this beautiful chair, which I'm actually sitting on now, um, and using completely traditional methods. So no glue, no nails, um, no power tools. And, and the tutor was a master craftsman who knew precisely how to make a log of wood, take a log of wood and turn it into a chair, you know, a beautiful chair, elegant, per you know, had a purpose, you know, and he would look at the wood and discover the grain and work with it and against it and all with this kind of compelling vision of something no one else could see at that stage, it was just a lump of wood. <laughs> and you can read more about this if you come over to the blog. But, um, I want to submit my grain to the son of a carpenter. And Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, was actually a carpenter. And I wonder if Jesus was taught the principles of woodworking from a very, very early age, you know, to work with the timber, to look for the grain. Um, I'm sure he probably was. Number three, recognize those moments when God is going against your grain. <laughs> they happen. Look, it really goes against my grain when God reminds me to forgive those who have hurt me, or to listen, or then to speak. There's a jack, a digging in, a lifting of the fur of a cat. I notice it, I don't like it, but it's there as a, a prompt to change and become more like Christ. Number four, embrace metanoia. Now, metanoia is the change of the mind. It's repentance, but that word uh, can be so loaded down with guilt and shame that we flinch. And, and I have heard that word repent used as a stick of judgment. You must repent. Instead, I would suggest that we use it as an invitation to observe where our grain has been going wrong. Maybe there has been no conscious awareness of thinking that way until God has gone against our grain and said, hold on, there's something to be changed here. Um, you know, it's been our way of thinking that has been shaped. Then God comes across the grain and says, things need to move to a new and different pattern. And we allow his truth to come and uh, teach us into that new pattern. Look, I've seen beautifully grain timber created into exquisite furniture. You know, people don't take time to notice the grain, do they? But God knows your grain and has a delightful excitement in shaping and crafting something good out of it. Hey, hey, have you got stinky thinking patterns? 
Um, I'd like you to consider doing my uh, Dig Yourself Out of a Hole course. It's, it's pay what you, what you want, including free. And um, a lot of what I've talked about is covered in that course, and you'll be able to get a lot of help there. Here's some quotes. Dan Eleanor, comfort is the absence of tension. Growth requires a swim in murky, dangerous waters. <laughs> uh, we must do something more than exhort people to do what's right and then hold them accountable. Larry Crabb. The Greek word metanoia, poorly translated as repent, in the Bible, quite literally means to change your mind. Until the mind changes the way, the very way it processes the moment, nothing changes long term. Be transformed by a renewal of your mind, Paul says, which hopefully will allow the heart to soon follow. Uh, that was Richard Raw. Repentance involves, one, facing my utter helplessness to make life work as, as I would wish, two, sorrowing over my insane strategies that are intended to make life work, three, clinging to God, to a God who calls me to follow a plan of life that seems absurd. <laughs> Dan Allender. You need to claim the events of your life to make yourself yours. When you truly pro possess all you have been and done, which may take some time, you are fierce with reality. Flonder Scott Maxwell God is a lover, not a rapist. God cannot walk past an empty heart and do nothing. Larry Crabb The key to growing any psychological resource, including compassion, is to have repeated experiences of it that get turned into lasting changes in neural function or structure, Rick Hansen. In order to oppose the influence and direction of one's old feelings, a rational mind first needs a very good reason. Without truth to reassure, change is impossible. David Riddell. Mentality, uh, mental passivity, once identified, needs to be actively opposed by questioning everything. Initiative and learning are like a muscle. They must be exercised regularly to work well. David Riddell. Is it reality or just a mood? To contradict your own feelings isn't, uh, is, it, is at times essential to maintaining stability. David Riddell Your concept of yourself can oppose God's ability to help you. He cannot violate it to change you without raping your identity. Eventually we must go to him to discover who we are. David Riddell Questions to consider What has shaped or created the grain of your life. Number two, where do you notice spirit coming across the grain <laughs> of your thinking? <clears throat> Three, can you think of a time when God gently came and cut across some of your old stinky thinking? Hey, I hope you found this helpful and um, thought-provoking. And if you want to email me and talk to me more about it, uh, barry at turningthepage.co.nz. And um, just a big thank you to those people who uh, give a little bit every month um, to support Turning the Page. It's, uh, you can do that for like a dollar a month, you know, so pretty good value, isn't it? <laughs> so if you want to learn more about that, come over to the website, uh, turningthepage.co.nz forward slash support. So and until next week, I pray that you may um, learn more about your grade. Okay, bye.